0: Tis the haunting season, and with Halloween fast approaching, Netflix has recently decided to take advantage of the general public's increased interest in the scary and the supernatural by releasing a brand new 10-part series entitled The Haunting of Hill House. Now of course, Hill House is not a new property, it's a story that has been told and retold for nearly 60 years. So is Netflix's version yet another horror remake that's made just to cash in on a well-established name? Or is it a worthwhile adaptation that stands on its own as a quality piece of work that deserves to be experienced? Well, I've recently returned from my ten-night stay in Hill House, and even though it's not my favorite version of the story, I do think that it's well made and very enjoyable. So tonight, I'd like to expand on that a little bit as I share some of my thoughts on Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House, here in The Last Theater. So let me start off by saying that this is going to be a little bit of a review with some light analysis thrown in here and there, but I won't be spoiling any of the major plot points or revelations in the first part of this episode. Like recent episodes of The Last Theater, which you can find on lasttheater.cnjradio.com, the first part of tonight's show will be a simple review with only enough information to set up the beginning of the story. Then after my review, I'll give a little bit of a warning to those who want to pause the episode And then I'll go into some spoiler talk. Because I think that watching the mystery of Hill House unravel is a major part of the show's enjoyment, so I want to make sure that everyone gets a fair chance to watch the show with as little prior knowledge of the story as necessary. And before I get into my review, I think a little background and context is necessary. I don't think it's completely necessary to know what came before Netflix's version to enjoy it, but I do think it adds some depth to the experience. As I said, The Haunting of Hill House is not a new story. Its original incarnation is a novel of the same name, written by Shirley Jackson and published in 1959. Shirley Jackson is probably most well-known for Hill House, but I think a lot of people might also recognize her short story titled The Lottery. I don't know if they still teach it in school, but it's one that I had to read, I believe in elementary school, and it's always kind of stuck with me. I have read The Haunting of Hill House, and I can attest that it is a fantastically written novel. It's dark and scary in large part because it uses the mental states of the characters as a conduit for the supernatural happenings in the house. The original story is about four people who spend a few days investigating this property called Hill House. It's a house that's notorious locally for its history of death and paranormal activity. The group is led by Dr. John Montague, a man who uses logic and reason to try to prove the existence of the supernatural. He's joined by Theo and Eleanor, who were the only two people who responded to Montague's request for people to come and live with him in Hill House for the amount of time it would take to complete the investigation, and they are joined by Luke, who is the heir to Hill House. Now Theo and Eleanor were chosen for the investigation specifically because they both had experienced paranormal events in their past, and Luke is there just mainly to serve as a host and to make sure that the house is taken care of. So you have the logical investigator, an experienced sort of empath, a skeptic, and a naive and vulnerable person who becomes the focus of the haunting. And it might seem a little bit cliche, I mean, you just take a quick look at Netflix and you turn up so many movies where a team of paranormal investigators go to a house or some other supposedly haunted place and things end up going really bad and people start dying. Like, you see that movie all the time. But it's cliche in part because Shirley Jackson's novel has inspired so many people over the years. Her novel was first adapted for film in 1963 with the release of the movie simply titled The Haunting. Now, this is the version of the story that I'm most familiar with, and the one that I am absolutely in love with. I think The Haunting is the best haunted house movie ever made, and it's just one of the best horror movies of all time, period, I think. It does follow the novel pretty closely from what I can remember. One of the only really major differences, which isn't even major, is that Dr. Montague's name has been changed from Montague to Markway. But one of the things that I really love about The Haunting is that the audience sees almost no supernatural events. The fear is built through the way the movie is put together. It's a it's a combination of like these off-kilter visuals, the, the way that the scenes are edited together, uh, the sounds that we hear, and a large part of it is placed on the actors and their reactions to what they are experiencing, which kind of puts us in their shoes so we experience what they experience through their reactions. And if you'd like to know more about why I love The Haunting, I do have a review up on The Last Theater website, but it basically comes down to the fact that it's one of those great supernatural movies where it leaves you to wonder how much of what we experienced was real and how much was in the heads of the characters. It's as much about the psychological aspect of terror as it is about ghosts and scary sounds and whatever. I mean, in fact, I would say that it's more about the psychological side of it, mostly because of the restraint shown by Robert Wise, the director. What you don't see is often scarier than what any movie can show you. And I think The Haunting is a perfect, it is the best example of this. And then there was another movie version of The Haunting, which was released in 1999. But the less we talk about that, the better. Moving on. Now, the whole reason I went off on that little tangent about the history of the Hill House story is because I'll probably be making a lot of references to what's come before. Mostly, it'll be the 1963 movie. And no, it's not necessarily fair to compare a new production to a classic, but I think it's interesting to see what was changed for the Netflix series, and it's a way of illustrating the ways in which certain things can be done in different ways to better or worse effect. Plus, The Haunting is my personal standard for quality haunted house movies so I do tend to judge things by it whether I realize it or not. And so now we have Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House, but I wouldn't consider the series a remake of the movies and it's not a direct adaptation of the novel either. Rather, this new version is a reimagining that uses elements from the original story to create something entirely new. I would say that by the end of the series, even the tone and the feel of the story is completely different than any of the previous works. In the end, the series isn't really that scary anymore. It becomes more about the drama built up over the course of its 10 episodes. But let's start by setting up the new story. First of all, this is not a paranormal investigation that goes wrong. Instead, The Haunting of Hill House tells the story of the Crane family. The Cranes are comprised of a mother and father, Olivia and Hugh Crane, and their five children. In the original story, Hugh Crane built Hill House, but in this version, he and his wife have bought the house, and they're living in it with their children while they fix it up to resell it. Some of the children are loose adaptations of the characters from the original story. So, versions of Eleanor and Luke are in the new story, but here they're the youngest of the five siblings. They're twins, and they have this connection to each other in different ways that I don't really want to get into here, but that's explored throughout the series. They do both inherit versions of some of the character traits from their earlier incarnations, uh, but it's kind of loose. Uh, For example, Eleanor in the series is extremely sensitive, and whatever is in Hill House affects her in some of the most direct ways of anyone in the family except for maybe their mother, Olivia. And Luke is also sort of like the Luke from earlier versions, but not nearly as much as Eleanor. The original Luke was a college kid, and he liked to drink and have fun, but the new Luke develops a drug addiction as a coping mechanism for what he experienced as a child in Hill House. So there's sort of a very thin connection as far as the substance abuse, I guess, but it's it's really a thin connection to the source material. He's definitely not a skeptic in the Netflix version, though, and the Luke in the original story definitely was a skeptic. And Theo is also in the new version, and she's actually a lot like the original Theo. Here, she's the middle child. She's number three out of five, and she tends to isolate herself and her feelings from everyone and everything around her. She's sensitive and somewhat empathic like the original Theo though the way it's shown here in the series is that when Theo touches something, an object, or a person, she gets this vague sense of its history and any sort of emotions attached to it. It's really treated almost like this really uncomfortable superpower in the series, kind of like Rogue in the X-Men. She can just touch things and she gets a piece of it and she starts to feel it, and that's a large part of her character and why she isolates herself. And the oldest two children are Shirley, who is clearly named after Shirley Jackson, and Stephen, who plays the role of the skeptic in this story. Neither of these characters win the original, but they do help balance out the rest of the family. Stephen is a writer, and he's logical to the point of dismissing everything supernatural that he and his family have gone through. And Shirley tries to act like this big sister, almost this motherly figure, To everyone, even though we find that she's just as scared of falling apart as everyone else. And basically, The Haunting of Hill House, this new version, is the story of a family broken apart by tragedy, but then brought back together by more tragedy years later. Hill House is the centerpiece and the thing that has haunted them both literally and figuratively for most of their lives. So the main story takes place in the present with the five siblings all grown up, but there are flashbacks woven throughout every episode that give us bits and pieces of information to help explain the emotions and the context behind everything that we're seeing the characters go through now. The flashbacks all center on the time when the Cranes lived in Hill House, and we're only given enough information at any given point to support whatever story is being told in each episode. This means that we might go back and forth in time with the flashbacks, but it's never an issue, it's never difficult to determine exactly what's going on and why it's important. Sometimes the order of events might be uncertain, but that's done on purpose to build suspense and mystery. By the end of the series, the order of events is very clear. Now, if all of this sounds more like a drama than a horror series, well, that's kind of accurate. The first half of the season definitely has some creepy moments and a few genuinely good scares, but as the mystery of Hill House unfolds, the scariness of the series starts to give way to the drama of the family's struggle. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely a different tone than any previous version of the story. The 1963 film builds to this tense and rather sad climax, while the series builds to something, I would say, more of like a family drama and something that's way less sad in a lot of ways. I think the change in tone makes sense for the way the series is told, though. The first half of the series is extremely sad, right from the very first episode. Without giving anything away, the main arc of the story is about the Crane family dealing with what's happened and what continues to happen, and though it's sad throughout many of the episodes, in the end we're left with a sort of hope for some peace for the characters. I wasn't disappointed in the way things turned out, but I do wonder why they chose to change it so drastically from the original. As far as the plot goes, I think changing it from a group of paranormal investigators to a family was a fine decision. I don't have a problem with it. It was probably done that way because of the change in format. What you can tell in a movie, which is maybe hour and a half, two hours long, is going to be different than what you can tell in a series that's 10 episodes of episodes ranging from like 45 minutes to over an hour. There's just a lot more space, and so I think the change was because of all that extra space to tell more of the story. And while I still think that the original story could have been done in a series format it might have been a little more difficult to turn a few days in a haunted house into a 10-episode series. And I say it would have been difficult, but it would not have been impossible. I mean, the present day part of the series takes place over a few days as well, and the flashbacks do cover a much longer span of time, and that does help give the show much more story to tell. It also gives a lot more depth to the story, something that probably wouldn't have been achieved as well if this were about four strangers stuck in a house together. I think changing the characters from strangers to siblings fits way better with the themes of this new series as well. One of the main themes of the new series is that we carry our past with us. How we deal with what we've gone through is explored in different ways by the different characters. Supporting this theme of the past affecting the present, is the fact that everything in The Haunting of Hill House is connected in some way, and that's presented in many effective ways. Connections are often shown visually with things such as props, locations, or repeated events. For example, a character might handle an object in the present, and the episode will then cut directly to a similar or the same object in the past as a transition to the flashback. In some instances later in the series, characters will visually walk into a flashback, by turning a corner in the present, and then being back in Hill House, and literally looking into the past. And sometimes events in the present will echo what's happened before. It's all done to give this impression that even though the Crane family has left Hill House, Hill House never really left the family. The connections to the past become more and more important as the series unfolds, so I can't really talk about too much about that without spoiling things. But having these transitions right from the very start, right from the first episode, kind of helps puts us in the mindset of the Crane family. And the five siblings are each part of the theme of carrying the past with them in different ways as well. In the first episode, we learned that a horrific family tragedy occurred during their time as children in Hill House. The exact nature of the tragedy and what really happened that night is as much a mystery to them as it is to us, the viewers, And the first five episodes explore how each of the five siblings has dealt with the the fear, uncertainty, and lack of real closure put upon them by Hill House and their father. Essentially, the first five episodes cover roughly the same present-day time period of a few days, but it's told from differing perspectives in each of the five episodes. So each sibling gets an episode where we learn more about why they act like they do as adults. In these episodes, the haunting within Hill House is often used as a metaphor for the kids' present-day struggles. This metaphor is most clearly seen, I think, in Luke's episode. So, adult Luke has turned to drugs to try to escape his fear, and there's an apparition that follows him which can easily be interpreted as his addiction, which he can't get away from. His story is told through the interweaving of flashbacks that show his first encounter as a child with what we see still following him in the present. It's a simple metaphor, but it's really effective. I think it all works together because, again, it visually shows that he's carrying part of Hill House with him in his adult life. Whatever happened there is still a part of who he is as an adult. And whatever happened there caused his addiction, so it's all kind of the same sort of thing. It also allows the viewer to interpret for themselves whether they think that what Luke is seeing is actually there, or whether it's just in his head. And I think this is where The Haunting of Hill House is most effective, when it's using the supernatural events as a metaphor for the mental state of the characters. Whether it's addiction, depression, denial, guilt, avoidance, each of the Crane kids has their own demons to deal with, and these are each explored in turn in the first half of the season. Some of the episodes are better than others, but when it works well, I think it's really powerful. I also really enjoyed how in the first half of the series, we'll see events and interactions in one episode, then we'll see what led up to that event or interaction in a later episode. It gives good context for what we're watching, and it effectively puts us in the shoes of the characters. Each of the kids has baggage to deal with, and they're not necessarily seeing the struggles of their brothers and sisters in the way that it's really happening. So, for example, we'll see a character act in a certain way from one perspective that might put them in a bad light, but then we'll see that same interaction again with context from a different perspective, and the whole tone shifts. What previously looked like a jerk making a jerk move will now look like someone who's just misunderstood and doing the best they can. That sort of thing builds some great tension throughout the series, and it adds layers to this family tragedy side of the story. The mystery of Hill House, both what it is and what happened on the cranes last night living there, is kind of treated in a similar way, though as the series gets past the first five episodes, the flashbacks seem to get longer and the story gets a little bit more linear. I like the mystery of it all, and I mostly like the way it unravels, but as the story of the actual haunting within the walls of Hill House becomes more and more clear, it becomes less and less scary. In the end, Hill House and its ghostly inhabitants don't really feel very threatening. It's certainly not an ideal place to raise a family, but it's something that can be dealt with and even manipulated. Like the Crane siblings, Hill House and what walks within its walls are just misunderstood. And part of why I feel this way probably stems from my love of the 1963 movie. As I said earlier, the movie showed us almost nothing. Almost everything paranormal was experienced through sound and the reactions of the characters. In contrast, we see lots and lots of things in the Netflix series. It's almost all very effective for the story being told, but seeing all these apparitions repeatedly kind of lessens their impact. That's not the case all the time, and there were definitely plenty of moments where the ghost got to me, but seeing conversations occur between living people and some of the spirits make them feel a lot less threatening. And things like that don't happen often, but it does happen. And for reasons I can't get into without spoiling some major stuff towards the end of the series, Hill House ends up feeling like a possibly positive resource rather than something to be outright feared. But then, I don't think the point of the series is to build to a terrifying climax. I think it's meant to build to a dramatic conclusion, and I think it does that very, very well. And really, The Haunting of Hill House is very well made throughout the entire series. Mike Flanagan directed every episode, and he wrote some of the key episodes. And you probably know Flanagan from some of his movies. He wrote and directed Oculus, which Joey and I talked about on an early episode of The Last Theater Podcast. Uh, He did Hush, which I saw on Netflix a while back, which also starred Kate Siegel, who plays Theo in this version of Hill House. And he also did Ouija Origin of Evil, which stars Lulu Wilson, who plays the young Shirley in this version of Hill House. He's also done some other films, and I've enjoyed everything of his that I've seen. He's really good at building tension, and he does that very well in Hill House. One of my favorite episodes is the sixth in the series. It's the episode where it's made to look like a series of really long takes with the camera moving throughout the scenes and catching all the characters as they move throughout this enclosed space. I believe it's the first time we see the adult family all together in one place at one time, and the choices that Flanagan makes are really great in this episode. If I had to nitpick, I'd say that some of the CGI doesn't work so well for me. It's limited, but there were at least a couple of key scenes that I felt like they were undercut because I didn't fully buy into the computer-generated effects. A lot of it works really well though, and so again, I guess it is kind of a nitpick. It was just a little disappointing, and I guess it stuck with me because one of those times happened in the second episode of the series. But in the grand scheme of it all, it was minor and it didn't hurt my overall enjoyment of the series at all. And I did enjoy this series very, very much. Initially I wanted to be scared. Ghosts in haunted house movies and shows, when done well, are some of the few things that can really get to me. Jump scares don't really do it for me, and though there were a few of those throughout the series, most of the scares were from a building dread and sustained images of these unnatural, supernatural things. I even appreciate a couple of the jump scares that got to me, because a few of them were done in just the right place to enhance a scene, rather than derail it like a lot of cheap jump scares do. I also really love how much attention was paid to the visuals. I already talked about the beautiful connecting transitions, but there was also a lot going on in the background of many scenes, and most of it was very subtle. At first I wasn't sure if I was seeing what I thought I was seeing, but as I continued to see things in the background and it became a bit more obvious as it went along, Sometimes I saw things clearly, some things were way out of focus and you could barely make it out, but it all worked really, really well and it made me appreciate the attention to detail in every episode. I love subtle scares and subtle creepiness way more than something that's loud and in your face. So, would I recommend The Haunting of Hill House? Yes, absolutely. It is a great haunted house series with some serious depth to it. Does it compare to the 1963 movie? No, I personally don't think so, but again, I don't think it's meant to. The Netflix series is its own thing with its own story to tell, and it tells that story in a great way. It's ultimately more dramatic than scary, so if you want to be terrified, you might want to go elsewhere and come back to Hill House later, but do come back. The Haunting of Hill House is a great drama, and it is incredibly sad at times, but Kind of surprisingly, it comes around with this feeling of hope and closure by the end. I think fans of haunted house movies will like it, and I think it's a great entryway for people who don't normally like horror movies. It's dramatic enough to please fans of drama, but it's also scary enough at times to please fans of horror as well. Okay, so now is the time when I pause for a moment and allow those who have not yet seen The Haunting of Hill House to pause the episode. Go watch it! Come back when you're done, because we're about to enter some spoiler territory. And welcome back. So I'd like to start this section of the episode by expanding on some of the moments I was just alluding to earlier, and I'll try to get my nitpicky stuff out of the way first, because I really don't have that much negative to say, and it's really all kind of subjective anyway. So I guess first, I'll mention some of the CGI that I didn't really care for. The moment I was talking about in the second episode that didn't work for me was when the bug crawled out of the mouth of the kitten that young Shirley was trying to take care of. It didn't, the bug didn't really look real at all to me. And I guess it wasn't a deal breaker because I understood what they were going for. But then when it happened again, and the same fake-looking bug crawled out of the adult Eleanor's mouth a little bit later on in the episode, it, it did kind of hurt my enjoyment of that particular episode. I understand and very much appreciate the connection that they were making, and because that was one of the echoes I was talking about earlier, but I wish I just wish it had looked better. It did kind of bring me out of the episode for a second, because I was thinking about that while I was also thinking about the emotional connection Shirley was having but maybe it didn't seem out of place for other people, and that's cool. The story was great, I just think the execution fell flat there, specifically, when the execution of much of the rest of the series was fantastic. I also think that the tall man with the cane that follows Luke looked a bit fake at times as well. Not all the time, but sometimes. I think the more effective ghosts were the ones that were just actors, who might have been slightly augmented by makeup or minor digital effects, but they were basically just looking like real people. The tall man looked very much like a computer creation at times, especially when he was floating throughout the house and the, the lengthening of his entire body. It just didn't look real, and again, that kind of pulled me out of the story a bit. There were some really, really great scares throughout the series, though. Uh, for me, a lot of them centered around Eleanor. Besides Hill House, I think that Eleanor is really the emotional connection in the series for everyone, and the audience as well, and I think the first episode ended pretty perfectly. So when Steven enters his apartment and he finds Anel standing there, I I immediately knew what was happening. I knew that she was dead and that the Eleanor standing in his apartment building was a ghost or some sort of apparition that was reaching out to him. But Steven didn't know this, of course, and that dramatic irony created some really great tension. And then when Nell got in his face right before disappearing, that was a really great, great way to end the first episode. I think up to that point, I was enjoying it, but I was like, okay, this is okay. I'll I'll go ahead and watch it. But then that final scene, those final shots were just, they were like, okay, I'm hooked. You're gonna, I'm gonna watch the rest of this. Another great moment that really got me was in one of the later episodes when Theo and Shirley were arguing while driving on their way to Hill House as adults. I was getting absorbed in the increasing tension and volume of their argument because they had had all these troubles uh, beforehand and all the drama built up between them. I was buying in to all of that, and so when Nell's ghost shoots out from between the seats and screams for them to stop, it, it really got me. Yeah, it was a jump scare, but it was also one of those jump scares that I was talking about that fit exactly with the plot and actually helped move the story along. It wasn't just this random thing that happened. It was a good character moment for all three of those characters, and it forced Theo and Shirley to stop and think about what they were doing and how they were acting. And the scare itself was really well done. I was getting distracted by what was happening between Theo and Shirley so much that it really really surprised me. That's one of the moments that definitely gave me chills. I just had to had to pause for a second. I, I was happy that the episode kind of stopped for a second as well while they all kind of got their bearings back because I, ha- I had to do the same. I did get a little nervous early in the series when there was that kind of wasted jump scare when Steven was investigating that woman's bedroom. It was in the first episode. I think he was scared by a car horn. That that intersection out on the street. And, I mean, yeah, I get it. It showed that even though he claims to not believe in the paranormal, he was still getting worked up about the possibility of maybe seeing something there. And at the same time, it being a car horn also justified his stance as a skeptic, but it still felt cheap to me. I was worried that might happen more throughout the series, but thankfully I can't really think of any other instances where jump scares felt cheap like that but yeah i i did feel that the later episodes eliminated a lot of what made the first half first third of the series so tense the ghost conversation that i was talking about earlier was olivia's extended conversation with poppy in one of the last episodes all that time spent with poppy and seeing that olivia can interact with her and even later when olivia's part of the house as well when she gets poppy to just like go away by telling her to it killed any sort of fear of Poppy that there might have otherwise been. Poppy didn't feel like a ghost so much as he just felt like another character. And I understand that Poppy was trying to manipulate Olivia, but she just didn't come across threatening to me at all. And on that note, Hill House itself didn't feel all that threatening in the end either. With two deaths in the family to start the series, and a lot of the plot of the series focusing on the build-up to Nell's funeral, The Haunting of Hill House was incredibly sad right from the beginning. So with all that going on, I understand that they probably wanted to give a little bit of hope as the show came to an end, but how they handled it just felt strange to me. I liked the story of the Dudleys and how Abigail turned out to be their living daughter and not an imaginary friend for Luke, But having Mrs. Dudley brought into the house right before her death at the end of the series so that she could spend her afterlife with Abigail was just bizarre to me. And I felt the same way about Hugh, Olivia, and Eleanor, seeing them all happy together as ghosts. It was was just weird. And having Hugh kill himself and then immediately come back as a ghost so that he could interact with Steven and get him to leave, and with Steven not even realizing that his dad was dead and a ghost at first, it just all felt really strange to me. Having Hill House be a dark mystery and a place that you want to avoid at all costs is interesting and scary, but turning it into a place where you can just turn yourself into this immortal spirit at will just doesn't work so well for me personally. I think it's a fine metaphor for hope and finding peace after trauma, but the execution felt cheap, I guess, and way too convenient for me. Hill House, I think, should be feared. It shouldn't be something that you'd actually want to go to and want to die in to live in forever. I think Hill House and the nature of its paranormal activity really should have remained largely a mystery. I'm sure a lot of that feeling that I have stems from the original story of Hill House and how effective the novel and movies are. Like I said, they're two completely different things, but personally, I by far prefer the original intent more. But other than those last few scenes, I think the new story was told very well. I think the Netflix series is at its best when it's not trying to recreate the novel or the 1963 movie. I appreciated the nods to the original, such as Mrs. Dudley saying, in the night, in the dark. But some of the scenes that were recreated didn't work as well as the original, and they didn't work as well as the newly created scenes either. The best example I can think of is the hand-holding scene. In the 1963 movie, Eleanor is in bed, and we hear her thoughts as she hears these strange noises in the house. The scene lasts for a significant amount of time, and we watch Eleanor's face in this tight close-up for this, almost this entire time as she narrates her reactions to what she's hearing, and what she's experiencing, and how it's connecting to her past. She thinks that Theo is next to her in bed, holding her hand, but when the scene finally cuts to a wider shot, there's no one in the bed with Nell. It's an incredibly tense scene, and probably, definitely one of my favorites in the movie. In the show, it's young Theo, who is the one with a similar experience, but it's done in a wide shot, mostly, and it's quite short. It feels kind of like a throwaway scene, and it's definitely one of the least effective scares in the entire series. It kind of felt like it was just thrown in there as a nod to the original, kind of like what Miss Dudley was saying in The Night in the Dark, but it was just thrown in there as like, hey, this is connected to the original, so fans of that, here it is but it didn't really mean anything. But I think that scene kind of illustrates the point I'm trying to get across, that the Netflix Haunting of Hill House definitely stands on its own, and it's even better when it's not trying to please fans of the original. Really, if the names of the characters had been different, the series wouldn't have even needed to use the Hill House name. It's so different in tone and plot and execution that it's really not even close to the same thing. One of the obvious benefits of using source material like this series does is that you get instant name recognition, but one of the drawbacks of that is that it invites unfair comparisons. And maybe anything negative I have to say is unfair, except for those few ending scenes with the Dudleys and everybody being happy. I stand by my opinions on those. But, like I said, I did enjoy this series very much. I think the characters and the actors were all great, and I really enjoyed how the whole family fit together. I think the actress who plays Eleanor, uh, Victoria Pedretti, was fantastic. I think she was my favorite in the series. Carla Gugino was really great as well. She kind of carried the series. I think she was probably the star. But Victoria Pedretti, I think, was the standout. Victoria, as Eleanor, had this incredible sadness about her that was so heartbreaking in so many scenes, and when, she, when her character started to realize what her life and her death were and how she fit into the family, that change could be seen and felt in the way that she acted. I think she did a great job of carrying a lot of the emotional weight of the series, which is exactly what the character of Eleanor was supposed to do. And also, like I was talking about earlier, I love the way the show was directed. Mike Flanagan has a great eye for illustrating ideas visually, and like in the sixth episode, when Hugh Crane walks down the hallway during the family's viewing of Eleanor's body, and he turns the corner and walks directly into Hill House in the past. I think that's a great moment, and it exemplifies the numerous seamless transitions throughout the entire series. I also really enjoyed the moments that were told out of order, but connected later in the series. Like, one example is when Shirley is talking to her children when they sneak down to get a look at Eleanor's body. Shirley tells them that they can ask her any questions that she wants, and she'll answer them honestly, so they have that nice little scene together. And it that scene made us feel like Shirley was struggling, because we could see that visually and how she was reacting. But that she knew how to take control of matters and she knew how to take care of her family. But then in Theo's episode later on we learned that Theo told Shirley to do exactly what Shirley actually did and it showed that Shirley doesn't nearly have it as together as we thought she did. That kind of thing happened a lot and I always enjoyed it. Moments like that, that stand out to me were learning why Luke tried to steal Steven's laptop and camera in the first episode and why Olivia smashed the mirror of the vanity that Steven painted for her in Hill House. It was that picking apart of the mystery that had me hooked throughout the series. And I guess, again, I wished that some things had been left as a mystery as the story came to an end. I mean, I don't mind an ambiguous or uncertain ending. I actually kind of like them a lot. And wrapping things up as nicely and as succinctly as they did was a... Kind of very minor disappointment in an otherwise really great experience. I've seen people speculate about a second season, but I really, I really don't think I want one. The way they wrap things up, I really don't see where else they can go with the Crane family unless they were to invent something completely new to break the remaining living family apart. I mean, I think maybe the best way to go if they want to do another series or a a second season is they could maybe do sort of an anthology type series where they explore the backstory of the different ghosts of Hill House and each ghost can like get an episode and maybe those can all connect as time moves on through Hill House or maybe they can go backwards in time and by the end of the series you kind of learn how Hill House the first death of Hill House and that's the the big climax at the end of the series. I think that would be kind of cool, because there were a ton of spirits throughout the series. You see a bunch of them in one of those final scenes when, I believe it's when Stephen is the last one to walk out of the house. You see all of them just standing there in the, in the that main hall. And so that could go on a while. They could do two, three seasons out of that, probably, or however many they wanted to do. But I kind of hope that they leave the Crane family alone. Their story, to me, I feel, is done. Or... If they wanted to do something with the Crane family, they could do a series starring Theo where she uses her empathic superpower to solve crimes in her free time like she did with the guy who was abusing the little girl. She'd be like this traveling, crime-fighting social worker. I'd I'd watch it. (laughs) But for now, I think that's all I have. I think the next horror-related Netflix series I'm going to watch is the new chilling adventures of sabrina as of this recording it was just uploaded to the site a couple days ago i believe so if that one inspires me like hill house did maybe i'll talk about that on a future episode of the last theater podcast and if i do you'll be able to find it on cnjradio.com, the home of the cnj radio network of podcasts including the last theater rock strikes 10 the synaptic and The Wrestling House Show. And let me know what you think of The Haunting of Hell House on Facebook and Twitter, wherever you can get in contact with me. It's all linked through the dot com. Am I too biased because of my love for The Haunting, or do you think I might have some decent points here and there? Do you think it was scary, or do you think it was more dramatic? Let me know, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Bye.